Can we give a hand for the worship team as well? And for all the camera crew, the visuals team, behind the scenes, and also to all our volunteers, thank you for serving week in, week out. So hello, Next Gen. It's good to be here in the house of God with you. And uh, I want to also encourage those of you who are here for the first time, or maybe the first few times, uh, I just want to say welcome home, uh, welcome to our church, and just scan that QR code so that we can connect with you and find out how we can provide um, any assistance, whether it's to know more about Jesus or to get connected to community. Uh, we would love to connect with you, okay? And for those of us who call Grace your home, I want to encourage you to take the next step in your faith and to get involved. Start by serving, whether in our welcome team, the cafe team, or the children's team. Simin should shout louder. Uh, we have many different teams with different opportunities uh, that you can be a part of, all right, to, to give your time and your talent. Also, a special shout out to Grace at Bukit Bato, our West Campus. Uh, those of you in Bukit Bato right now, can you give a hand to all, can we also give a hand to all the team, the people serving in Bukit Bato, week in, week out. Pris, who is leading them over there as well. Uh, thank you, everyone, over there. Uh, thank you to the team for providing a conducive space for all of us. Uh, and also, I just want to send a, a word to all of us here and to all of us who are watching online as well. If you live in the West, I encourage you to join us at our Bukit Batok campus for our gathering next week and start serving there, okay? So, we began last week on 1 Corinthians entitled, Family Matters. And as we take time to go through this letter. Let us approach it together as a family that's ready to talk about our matters. Because family matters and family matters. Tonight you should get it when you're sleeping. Uh, see, for the Corinthian church, right, uh, they had faced many, many difficult issues uh, because of the cultural influences that they had in their day. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, was writing to them to encourage them to be a godly family in Christ. So, likewise for us, let's be the family that's willing to have difficult conversations. One that doesn't sweep things under the carpet, but one that is open to address you know, the elephants in the room in an honest yet loving manner. And today, we are looking at the problematic situation at, of division that happened in the Corinthian church. So, the title of today's message is Divided, shall we take a poll? And the big idea is this. God desires His family to be united in purpose in Christ. God desires His family to be united in purpose in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to be united in purpose in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Shout out to Pastor Joey as well. If you're watching this, we miss you. He's right now in the U.S. going through his studies, finishing up his studies. So, hi, PJ. Good to see you. <laughs> Have you ever had a disagreement with someone? If there's anything that I feel as Singaporeans, you know, living in this nation, that we would disagree on the most is on food. Food. Why? Because even our bloggers, they post things like top 10 places or top 5 chicken rice in Singapore in no specific order or the best places to get your chendo. See, there is no singled out best place because the truth is we are all divided on where truly is the best when it comes to certain food categories. Just like bubble tea for that matter. No matter about bubble tea, the koi people already like, oh, I can't wait to have my koi later. Or those who chicha sanchen, any chicha sanchen people here? Oh, a few of you. Those of you like playmate, 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 anyone? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Or the Gongcha, Gongcha, Gongcha. No, uh, oh, sorry, Gongcha. Not doing. Oh, yeah. Gongcha over there. Yeah, see, different people have different preferences already. Let's try something different, okay? How about coffee? Let's talk about Toast Box coffee or Yakun coffee. Toast Box, anybody Toast Box? Uh, hands up, over. Uh, how many Toast Box? Yakun, Yakun, Yakun. More. Wow, uh, come on, man. That's, we have a clear winner here. <laughs> Those of you online, you can type in the chat whether Toastbox or Yakun are not sponsored, by the way. So just on coffee alone, right, we have different camps already. And a similar thing happened back in the Corinthian church in the first century. Except that this time, it's not Toastbox or Yakun. But there was just some major divisions happening within the church that had serious implications. And speaking of division, I'll be dividing the message today into three segments. The first is, we'll talk about the situation. Then we'll talk about the solution and we'll talk about, so what does this even mean for us? So we pick up in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 and let's read the Word of God. It says here, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. My brothers, what I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus at Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. We move on to verse 17, it says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So let's first look at the situation where there is division in the Corinthian church. See, we learned from the previous message that there were many issues that the Corinthian church faced. But one of the major things that was raised here was the problem of division. Division among the people. And in order to better understand what happened then, right, we need to, we need to grapple with the historical context of how this early church movement happened. For the first few centuries, the early church, the believers, they gathered in homes. When we look at Acts chapter 2, if you go and dig further into there, the believers met together and broke bread in different people's homes. So this meant that the size of the group is dependent on the space that is available in each of the homes. So those who were part of the, the home that was more well-to-do, you know, maybe the family is more, more well-to-do, they would naturally have larger groups of people meeting in their homes. So slowly... Division began to arise between different home gatherings and grew to a level that came to the attention of the person who founded the church, and that is Apostle Paul himself. So at the same time, we need to understand that the city of Corinth was a strategic location of commerce that became a bustling trading town, an intersection between east and west, and where people of different backgrounds and cultures, they would come together to interact. So as such, Status, wealth, prosperity were held in high regard. And naturally, the associations people had with others were important factors to being an established person living in Corinth. So the issue is this, while they were followers of Christ, believers in God, they were still people living in Corinth. And the city had a strong influence on these people. The worldly values and wisdom were seeping into the church. And it affected the way they they practiced their faith as fellow believers. So there were two main problems that contributed to this division among them. And the first problem is this, the problem of preference over personalities. 
preference over personalities. See, the passage tells us that the people were divided over personal preferences. Different groups had their personal favourites over who was a better teacher or preacher of the word. Maybe it's Paul, some say Apollos, some followed the Apostle Peter who's also known as Cephas. Or Apollos, you know, he was well known to be a good preacher of the word. Whereas for Paul, let's just say that he was more of a philosophical thinker, he's a deep theological person, and he was known to preach for a very, 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 very long time. So because of that, there were different preferences. Slowly, their insistence on personal preferences began to overtake the purpose of Christ over them as one church. This was not just between a few people. The whole church was affected. There was a common thing. This, this, this whole thing that happened was a common thing then for them, where people often gravitated to particular personalities. Whether it was philosophy, religion, students and disciples naturally formed groups to come under a certain teacher. And this association of following a specific teacher formed their identity and status. So slowly this led to different factions coming out within the church. The word for division used here in this passage refers to the idea of schism or to tear apart. See, Paul was warning the Corinthian church that any form of division is wrong. The people were too consumed by their own personal preferences and opinions that they had overlooked the purpose of Christ that He had for them. The second problem is the problem of perception that produced pride. They had a problem of perception that produced pride. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 to 4. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, but you were not ready, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So the Corinthian church had a problem with their perception. They perceived that by holding on to their preference, following certain people like Apollos, Paul, or Peter, they were being more spiritual compared to other people. However, Paul revealed to them that they were far from being spiritual. In fact, they were the opposite. They were behaving as infants. They were led by their flesh instead of the Spirit. See, instead of boasting about Christ, they were boasting about the people they followed in order to demonstrate their spiritual elitism over others as though they have somehow arrived in their spiritual maturity. And this pride that they had led to jealousy and strife that were amongst the people. It's like saying, my preference is better than yours, so I'm more spiritual and I have more say than you. See, the Corinthian church had allowed their minds to be led by the cultural influences in Corinth. Their perception of being spiritual was measured through a worldly understanding of what it meant to be wise or spiritual. And this problem of perception for the Corinthian church revealed their immaturity in thinking. See, they probably had the best thinkers and preachers of the word in their day. Paul, the apostle, Peter, the apostle, Apollos. With all these incredible men of faith that influenced them, yet they missed the very point of what it means to be the church because they were divided. Which tells us that it is not the source of the message or the gospel that was the problem. It was their perception. 
They were clouded by their own fascination for wisdom and teachers more than Christ himself. See, Paul wrote that the gospel message is both milk and solid food. Milk is as if the the good news for salvation and solid food represents the understanding for the entire Christian life and values that are shaped by Christ's crucifixion. So the source of diet is not the issue. It is the perception that is the problem. They had a wrong perception on the value and power of the gospel. This led to a corruption of values held within the church, thereby causing strife, jealousy, and ultimately division. So what is the solution? What was the solution to these problems that caused this division in their church? And now we talk about the solution. The solution that Paul wrote was to stay true to the foundation of Christ. He told them to stay true to the foundation of Christ. What did it mean for them to stay true to the foundation of Christ? It meant, first thing, it meant that because of Christ, they were to be a people that built on the foundation of Christ. See, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 to 15 says this, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation of gold, silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So Paul was describing through this passage that Christ is the foundation. And whoever entered to build from there would build on the foundation of the gospel of Christ crucified. See, Paul started by describing himself as a person who first laid the foundation of Christ. In other words, he's, he's a bit flexing here. He's saying that, you know, I, I'm the spiritual father. I'm the one who planted this Corinthian church from the start. He says that I'm the master builder. And anyone else who comes through, whether Apollos or Peter or any other apostle, would build upon what he has first established. So the solution was to stay true to the foundation of Christ, on what Christ had done to begin with and not who was a better teacher, who delivered well, who spoke better. See, the measure of their spirituality was not on how much they listened to the gospel through different teachers, but on how much they had lived out the gospel through their lives. And this idea of gold, silver, or precious stones represents what, what's compatible with the foundation of Christ himself. What it means is that any human wisdom apart from Christ will perish when Christ returns to judge. So what is compatible are values and outworkings of the gospel versus values and behaviours of human wisdom that leads to immaturity, pride and jealousy. Gold, silver and precious stones, when you think about these things, right, they are materials that bring beauty to the design. So if anyone that would build on the foundation of Christ need to use these things, these materials to build on that foundation because ultimately what they're trying to do, what we are all trying to do is to magnify the beauty of God, of God in this place. See, the second thing is, it is also meant that because of Christ, they were a people that belonged to God. Because of Christ, they were people that belonged to God. 
1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So ultimately, those of us, those of you who have received the gospel belonged to God. For the Corinthian church, they did not belong to anyone else. They didn't belong to Paul or Apollos or Peter, but to God himself. Paul was trying to shift their, their concept of being one as God's family. See, the word he uses, the word you here that he uses in this passage has a plural reference to it, which means he's referring to the church as one people of God. Collectively, as the people who belong to God, the Corinthian church was the temple of God and his spirit dwelt amongst them. The word temple in the original Greek refers to the actual sanctuary where God resides and dwells, which meant that they were to be set apart. They were to be holy for God's purposes because He is holy. They were not to be set apart for Apollos or any other person. They were just set apart for God. For the Corinthians, their city had more than 20 over temples that were dedicated to different gods. But as followers of Christ, Paul warned them that you and I, we are only one temple. There's only one temple that God's, and that is God's temple that is present through the collection of all the believers when we gather together. So any form of disunity towards God's temple was an outright rebellion against God. It was an outright rebellion and an outright misrepresentation of who God is. Because they belonged to God, it meant that their preferences was not the priority. It meant that God's work in Christ and His Word should remain as a priority. Because they belong to God, any form of division or actions that hurt the church would hurt and grieve the Holy Spirit and there will be serious consequences. This unity destroys the one temple that they were all part of in God. And the Bible says very clearly, God will destroy anyone that brings division to His temple. Because they belong to God, they had a higher calling to represent God to their world not to represent charismatic teachers or preachers of the word, but to represent God to a culture and society that was far from Him. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us today? See, while the issue of division in the Corinthian church was because of the problem of preference or perception, likewise, in today's world, this problem remains true. People hold value to the associations they have with certain personalities. It creates a certain level of respect when it, that comes along with it. For example, you know, I follow, I, I've all along followed Adam Grant or, or Gary Vee or, or Jordan Peterson or Simon Sinek. You know, I follow all these people for a long time already. And maybe for some, of us, for some of us today, we also hold value to the leader we associate with in terms of our preference. For example, we may have our own preference when it comes to different pastors who preach on this platform. Some of us here, don't need to think, I know Pastor Ming Cham is your favourite. He's my favorite too. Oh no, I, I, I'm. So of us, we prefer Pastor Wilson or Pastor Joey or Pastor Peter or even Brother Aaron or, or Sam, Sister Sam. We have all different preferences. Some of us prefer an expository sermon filled with truth bombs. Some of us prefer a sermon that is oh, more relevant and more applicable on any application. Others prefer a good laugh, humorous, talk about everything at the end. I just laugh because you talk about his family quite funny. We all have different preferences. And over time, people gravitate to whom they prefer. 
unknowingly division may happen. We start to witness people only showing up when their preferred preacher is rostered. The greater problem happens when we hold on very dearly to our preferences and perceptions, thinking that these will mean that we are becoming more and more spiritual. Oh, you know, I, I, I really love Pastor Ming Chan when he preaches. Oh, every time he speaks, right, wow, the word oh, speaks to me, you know. I feel like whenever I listen to him, my spiritual maturity jumped by 1,000. Maybe it's not even our local pastors. Maybe for some of us, it could be different people overseas. Oh, sorry, I only listen to Stephen Fertig. No, I listen to Craig Groeschel only. Oh, Edmund Chan or Benny Ho. For me, some of you might say, oh, sorry, I only, I only, I only bother about what John MacArthur says or, or Francis Chan for that matter. Oh, no, 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 Tim Keller. I, I only prefer Tim Keller. See, the list goes on and on while our pride goes up and up because of these preferences and camps that we find our belonging in. Maybe it's even that small group that we prefer to be in because of certain people only. I don't like that group. I tried before. I want this group. Or a particular ministry that you feel more attached to than others. See, we all have our preferences, but we must never allow these things to replace the value and purpose of Christ amongst us as the church. It was not Apollos or Peter or, Peter or Paul. It's not Pastor Wilson or Craig Goshaw or John Piper, although these people are great examples of servants of God that God uses. But we must remember that our allegiance is not to good people, but to a great God. Our allegiance is not to a good people, but to a great God. We don't come to church for a particular good person or good speaker or good pastor. We come to church to worship God and exalt Christ corporately. This worship service is not about us. It's about God and it's for God. Our gathering is not a time for us to get tickled, you know, with great quotes and, and earworms on the weekend, yet fail to apply a single word of truth from God's Word during the week. Our spirituality should not be built upon worldly wisdom, but on the Word of God and the work of Christ. I think if, as we go into our, our daily lives, we need to ask ourselves, how are we aligning ourselves to the Word of God and the work of Christ? Church is not meant to be a place when we come to grade our experiences, oh, the word was so good last week, man. It was, it was a great experience. So inspiring. But this week, it was quite meh. Uh, Pastor John, a bit boring. Uh. Didn't get much out of it. See, rather, church is meant to be a place where God's presence and power resides in and is released through us as we go into the world. Our maturity as followers of Christ is not determined just by how much we listen to the Word of God on a weekend alone, but by how much we live and apply it in our everyday lives. How are we becoming more like Christ personally and corporately together as a church? See, you will notice in Paul's writing to the Corinthian church that he used this term brothers very often. He addressed them, brothers and sisters. And this points to the idea of intimacy, and closeness as a family, not as strangers or friends, but family. Why? Because no matter how difficult things may be between people in a family, it does not change their identity as a family. No matter how much I may be upset with my sister, it does not change the truth that she's still my sister. What binds us together is, is, is not, no, not anything else but our blood relation. Even if she were to change her I see her name, you know, to something else, a different surname. It does not erase the DNA that our blood reveals our relationship as one family. 
Likewise, as the church of God, we are the new family in Christ. What binds us together is the blood of Jesus Christ that has been poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. Our identity as a family is because of Christ. And now, His Spirit dwells and resides in us. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, do we recognize each other as a fellow brother and sister in Christ? This is not some loose term that you use in church. Oh, uh, brother Aaron, hi, uh, sister Sam, hi. Uh. It's not a loose term. It is really what is the reality of what this word means to be God's family. The foundation of our faith personally and corporately is built upon the foundation of Christ. So no matter how upsetting or difficult things may be, no matter how irritated we, we may feel, at the end of the day, we belong to God. We are His family. So even with all the challenges that we may face, we are able to deal with it in a better way because of Christ. Our purpose as God's family is not to promote our preferences, but our purpose is to proclaim Christ to the world. So in order to present Christ to the world as one united body, we need to first resolve the differences and the deeper issues within our hearts. Let's be a family that surrenders our, our personal preferences and perceptions and be a united people that magnify only Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. As believers, we are to make every effort to keep the unity in the Spirit. And one practical way for us that we can start with is to reconcile with others. If we are affected or offended by someone, let us make effort to talk to these relevant people instead of talking to everyone else about this person. I believe most of the issues can be resolved if we just talk to each other, to one another instead of about each other. And I want to encourage us to do it in a biblical manner. If really there's an issue that's happening, I encourage you to bring in another person, another brother and sister in Christ to be present to help you facilitate reconciliation. Speak to your leaders, speak to your pastors if you need advice and support in this matter. And for all of us that call grace our home, let's focus on building on the foundation of Christ. See, if any of us hears something that may not be edifying or may potentially lead to division, whether it's a leadership style or something that was done, let's not remain silent. Let's, let's be loving enough to be able to address it, to direct one another to reconcile on this matter in a godly manner. Another practical way that we can start is to serve, to serve one another. Move from being a person who comes on a weekend or to, a self, to your grace group, just, just coming to consume or, or participate, but more than that, to contribute, to give, to serve. Give to God and His people. See, serving helps us to appreciate the, each other better because when we serve, we put the needs of others before us. We focus on building others instead of ourselves. See, serving enables us to become more like Christ because the Bible says that Christ came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And He is the perfect example that we should follow. See, there are many opportunities for us to start. Let, when you start to serve, you begin to realize how much others are sacrificing and putting aside themselves to focus on you. Think about coming to this space right now. There were people who took time off just to come to set up this place, prepare the service for you, pull all the, the barriers and whatnot, welcome you to this place. There's so many different things that people did on their part to serve us so that we can facilitate the time together with God. So when you serve, 
you're putting others first. I want to encourage you to start serving in your grace group. Speak to your leaders. If you, if you want to serve in other areas, there are many opportunities. Just, just go to our website, graceaog.org slash serve. So many different opportunities for you to take the next step to serve one another. Another practical step that we can take as a family is to pray. Is to pray. Half the crowd lost it when I said pray. Huh? Pray, huh? Ephesians 6, 18 says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I think this verse I seldom see. Uh, because it says to pray for all of Lord's people. Whatever prayer, whatever request, bring it to the Lord. Let's not be a people of lip service that talk about praying for one another. You hear a problem? Oh, yeah, I pray for you. Huh? Yeah, okay, pray for you. Two years later, eh? Hey, what happened? I don't remember what, what happened. You didn't even pray at all. Let's not be doing lip service. But let's, let's, let's really genuinely commit to praying for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. The family that prays together stays together. Imagine how united we can be as the family of God when we focus on praying for one another and praying together. We move beyond looking at ourselves to focusing on God and on other people. I want to encourage us like what Brother Aaron shared earlier about 40 days of prayer. No, it's one thing to complain about what we see in our nation or oh, this, la, that, la, the, all the different things happening. It's another thing to start praying. And I want to encourage us, the world doesn't need more complainers. The world need, needs more people to pray and intercede for others, to help and serve others. So this July, we actually started on praying for our church and for our nation. We're building up towards August 9th, which is, which is our national day. And I want to encourage us as a community, as a church, to pray together, to intercede for our nation. Let's not just come together and, and talk about, oh, I, I wish this was better, I wish that was better. But let's come to God and say, God, we believe that our nation is in your hands. We believe that you are moving in this place. How else can the Spirit of God move when there's no unity in the first place? But when we come together and say, God, we need you, we need your power in our land. We need you to move in our land. So we need to come together to pray. So start with these practical steps. To first reconcile if you need to. Serve. Take a next step to serve one another and to pray. And whatever we, whatever we do, let, let us do whatever we can to, to stay true to the foundation of Christ because we belong to God. Let's not promote division on the basis of personalities where we focus and invest only on, on, on certain things that we feel is best. But let's focus on God's temple. Let's focus on magnifying God in our land, in our church. Let's commit and be resolved in our hearts to love one another and be united in Christ as God's family. See, family matters. Family matters so much. And what you do represents what you value the most. So let us be God's family that exalts Christ in all things. Let us put aside our preferences and differences for the sake of Christ. A godly family stays together no matter how difficult and challenging things may be. See, I end off with the opening verse in verse 10. Verse, Ephesians 1 verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you 
but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. God has positioned us as a church family for this nation. And in order to experience the move of God over our city, we need to work to maintain unity in Christ first. We cannot be a divided church and go out there and expect people to see God. We need to be united. And the focus is not on being uniform, you know. Everybody must be the same, behave the same, everything's same. But rather is to stand united on the gospel. That you and I, we belong to God. And whatever we do is built upon the foundation of Christ crucified, the work of Christ. So let us not be known for division, but let us, as God's family, be known for being a people of unity that are united in the purpose in Christ. Foreheads bowed and eyes closed across all campuses right now. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us. See, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes before. Moments where we have pursued our own personal preferences, allowed our perceptions to produce pride within us. And whether knowingly or not, we may have contributed to division within God's family. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt by someone. Or maybe you unknowingly have hurt another person. And today, there are some of us here that need God's healing from hurt. We need God's help to forgive and reconcile with others. While others are, some of us here, we, we, we've, we've been too caught up in building ourselves. What we want, what we want to do, focus on ourselves more than anything else. And today, the Holy Spirit is challenging you, stop focusing on who you are, focusing, focus in on whose you are. Don't focus on what you can do, but focus in on the work that Christ has done. And today, some of us, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and challenging us to say, let's commit. Let's commit to building this house. Let's move from just merely being a spectator to start serving one another to uphold unity in this body, in this family. So across this room, with heads bound and eyes closed, even at Bukit Batok as well and online. Today, if you are asking God for help in these areas and for courage to step out, to take the next step, to commit to being united as God's family, if that is you and, and you say, yes, today, I, God, I need your help, I need your courage, and I want to take the next step to commit to building your family, to building unity in your family, God. No one looking around, just quickly slip out your hands right now so that we can pray together. You say, I want to commit to building God's family across this room, everyone. Come on, lift up your hands if, 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 you, if this is what you're saying. I want to commit to building God's family. Hands coming up. Hands coming up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Abuki Batuk as well. Thank you, you can put your hands down. Church, before we stand, before we rise up, I just want to encourage us regardless of where we are, whether we are leaders or whether we are members of this church or whether we, we just attend regularly or whether you are staff for that matter, wherever you are, you represent the body of Christ. And the body will not fight against itself. And today, 
I believe the Holy Spirit is challenging us as a church, as a community to rise up. Rise up. If you want to see the move of God, then start, start moving on your end. Start taking a next step to commit. Start taking a next step to build. Start taking a next step to serve. Start taking a next step to reconcile with people that maybe you disagree with. Let's not talk about each other. Let's talk to each other. And let's pray for one another. So as the band leads us in this, I want us to all stand to our feet right now. As the worship team leads us, I want you to respond where you are. And just respond to the Lord and commit to the Lord. And I'll pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we commit ourselves to you as fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, as God's family. God, would you come and be exalted in our midst. Lord, forgive us 
for the moments where we've been so caught up in what we prefer. Forgive us where we've been so caught up in ourselves, in what we want to experience for ourselves. But Lord, help us to look beyond ourselves. Help us to look towards the cross. And you as the perfect example in Christ that you gave yourself up. Greater love has no one than the one that has laid down his life for them. So Lord, would you be the example, would you be that model that we follow, that we imitate, that we will put aside our preferences, that we will put aside our perceptions of what it means to be a family. And God, unite us around the cross. Unite us on your word and your work that you have established. Forgive us, Lord, if we have hurt anyone around us with our actions or with our words or with our behaviours, God. Would you forgive us? And Lord, would you remove right now if there's any form of bitterness in our hearts right now towards any person in this room or outside, God, we pray you forgive us and help us and heal our hearts. Change our hearts, God. Soften our hearts, God. Only your spirit can change us. Nothing else can change us. So Lord, would your spirit move right now in every heart, every person that is hearing my voice. God, let your spirit begin to touch every heart right now. Bring healing, bring wholeness in the name of Jesus. We believe in the power of Jesus Christ. That by your name, Lord, all things will be broken. Anything that is not of you will be broken. In the name of Jesus, we speak freedom. We speak healing. We speak wholeness in our hearts. We release any hurt. We release any resentment, God. Any bitterness, be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name we pray. Come on, that's the thing about good news.